0: This isn't fly, this is falling with style. style. Green Slayer interrupts this program for an
1: important announcement. Grab your snacks, watch your screens and see what happens. You are no longer in control. I am Sad, strange little
0: man. It's the 20th episode of Falling with Style. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And this is an ongoing Pixar Movie Marathon podcast. Each episode is dedicated to exactly one movie in the Pixar Animation Studios canon. And today, we're talking about a Pixar sequel released 14 years after its predecessor, despite 14 years of people asking for it. (laughs) And in that time, it somehow lost an article along the way. We're talking about not The
1: Incredibles 2, just... Incredibles (laughs) Incredibles two. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even notice that. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so weird. Uh, that's a weird. I don't like that. That's it's a, a weird really choice. weird.
0: It's a weird choice
1: for them to have made. I'm not it's a fan a really of weird that choice. Like it, it, it means nothing because, like I said, I didn't even notice it. But it now that I know it, that will bother mm-hmm. me forever. I don't like yeah. it. Well, I mean, you have to be
0: bothered like the rest of us. Sorry. That's that's what you got by signing up for this podcast. Stupid. <laughs> Just like the first film, Incredibles 2 was written and directed by Brad Bird. Uh, Incredibles 2 was released widely on June 15th, 2018, about seven months after Coco, and like I said, 14 years after The Incredibles. Prior to preparing for this conversation, Doug had seen it a couple times, Maybe more than that, but I'm actually not 100% sure because I played the Lego Incredibles Uh video game, which (laughs) recounts all the events. So I'm not really sure how many times I've seen this, (laughs) but I think if I'm remembering correctly, this is maybe the last Pixar movie you hadn't seen. Does this complete your Pixar movie watching experience?
1: I believe unless there's some hidden Pixar movie that I missed. Uh, Yeah, this is the last movie I had never seen. Um All the other ones I've seen since then, and I would have watched this one sooner because I like Brad Bird as a filmmaker, but I think by the time I would have gotten around to watching it, we were doing the podcast, so I'm like, well, I'll just save it, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) like me and Cars
0: 3. Right, exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, so now I've seen all Pixar movies.
0: Yeah, congratulations, you made Mm -hmm. it.
1: Yeah, as of last night. You've
0: arrived. Yeah, I've arrived. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So this is this is a this is a weird weird it's a weird movie to talk about yeah. if you're not just talking about the story because you would expect that over 14 years time Uh, of people asking for this movie and people kind of thinking it probably will happen eventually and then being like well maybe not it's been a long time and then it happening there would be like more interesting stuff for brad bird to say about it sure but i forgot how weird it is to listen to brad bird speak about anything Uh and i don't know how much i talked about this when we talked about incredibles i suspect i must have at least brought it up He's just such a weird dude and I don't think 14 years, years. of aging helped. <laughs>
1: sure. No, he definitely is a weird dude. <laughs> it's so
0: weird. So I don't really know entirely why it took 14 years other than the the sort of standard Pixar answer of we don't make it until we've got the right idea. Um sure. and I I buy that. I think it also had to do with the fact that Brad Bird was doing other stuff with sure. other studios. Like he's not he's not purely a pixar guy even though he's a pixar guy he's not solely a pixar guy right so Mm -hmm. he did a bunch of stuff in between incredibles and this even outside of just ratatouille uh but when he talks about where this came from he talks about it as if 14 years hadn't passed
1: (laughs) which i mean i kind of can see that because i feel like i don't know i feel like this movie doesn't feel like a movie that was made 14 years after the last one. Not, t- I mean, like, technology-wise, obviously, like, looks, it looks great and everything. Like, it looks mm-hmm. substantially better than the first one did. But, like, in terms of, like, the story and everything, it just is sort of, like... It took you 14 years to come up with this, which isn't to say that it's bad. It's just like, no, it's If good, they came up with it, it like well two well received. Yeah. It's a good movie, but it's also like, I guess, I guess when there's that big of a gap, you expect it to be, it's like a much wilder swing, I guess. Or it's like, we have this really unique idea that's like feeling like that, that is going to make it like very separate from the first one. But this one literally just feels like if they had made it two years after the first one. I think this would have been the movie that it was made. Like It doesn't I, feel like it's been influenced by the amount of time in between. Do you know it, what, guess, though? What, what it's, what? There
0: are a few things about that. One, okay. thinking about that now, because I thought about that, too. I was like, what is this movie doing differently in 2018 than Incredibles did in 2004? Outside sure. of technology, obviously, right? Just like you had mentioned. And I, I, I kind of came up with the same answer, right? It's not doing that much different. But I think a big part of that is, like, Brad Bird wasn't doing something... He wasn't really dramatically subverting expectations with the characters yeah. or even their relationships in the first one, which is kind of what made it special, mm. I think, to a lot of people and relatable. That makes sense. So you end up with a sequel to a movie with these characters that are very intentionally caricatures and stereotypes of themselves uh, and their superpowers manifest that way. So then it's like, <laughs> it almost feels like yeah. you can only ever, I mean, you you would have to kind of use everybody else to take that big swing. And this movie does pick up seconds after the first one. Right. So that 14 year gap, like it, it doesn't feel like it's, um, it doesn't really feel like it exists in real time either. But yeah. here's the thing that I do think that I do think the 14 years affects. Okay. And that is simply, and, and Brad Bird talks about this too, simply the landscape of movies and the movie going experience between 2004 In 2018, which is in 2004, you had two active superhero franchises in Spider-Man and X-Men. We were in a lull between Batman movies. Uh, It it had been a while, I think, uh, since the Superman movie. Uh, uh, And the Marvel Cinematic Universe wasn't a thing anybody... like. It wasn't a phrase anybody had uttered yet, right? Yeah. Fast forward to 2018, and now every (laughs) other movie is a superhero movie. So simply by making... A simpler, more character driven family focused sure. superhero movie, which is exactly what the first one did yeah it stands it stands out from the crowd, which is that wild. is a good point. <laughs> it almost hits better with 14 years in between. Cause if they had done this two years later, mm-hmm. I think the reaction would be maybe not that it would have been bad. People still would have recognized like, oh, this is a good movie, yeah. but I think it wouldn't have stood out in the way that this one did. No, Plus, that, you know, a, anticipation and all that.
1: That's a good point. I think like my expectations were skewed because I think we've been living in like the age of superhero movies and like, the. Like, like, are there too many superhero movies? Like that that whole thing for so long that I think I was expecting this movie to comment on that, and like, it really doesn't. If anything, it's if it has any comment at all, it's that it doesn't really care what the rest of superhero movies are doing. It's just making the most classic kind of like distilled version of an old fashioned superhero story that's also a family story that it can. Yeah, Um, and that it's that and that like intentionally or not makes it like a kind of radical compared to like the landscape of superhero movies right now,
0: which ends up being a really weird thing to think about when you listen to Brad Bird speak about things, because as far as I can tell, the only thing being the only thing that influenced this movie coming out amidst a million other superhero movies was simply well, we got. It. I mean, I guess that takes certain plot lines off the table, just in case, right? Like, well, so, has there been a superhero movie in the past month that did this already? You know what I mean? Not that he set out to, like you said, comment on any of it. Just simply, like, mm-hmm. has that been done over the past 14 years now? Yeah. It's so weird, because, like, he also is the type of guy who... Seems to, and I think we talked about this for sure when we talked about Incredibles, because people love to bring up, you know, Ayn Rand and all that sort of stuff, and Mm. and and some of the weird things you can take away from the first Incredibles movie. And Brad Bird loves to just like dodge that shit and be like, no, 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 (laughs) it's a movie. Get some popcorn, baby. Like he literally says that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, So even if he were making a movie, I, I, I still never know if he's if he's ever making a movie with some sort of with any of those bigger thoughts in mind or if yeah. he's just being coy about it. But he does the same thing with this movie where it's like people will straight up say like, what do you want people to take away from this movie? Which is like a really standard question to ask literally any filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And he's always like, I want them to take away a, a big bowl of popcorn and a soda. And I'm like, yeah. Brad Bird, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to rock out in the movie theater. I'm like, what does that mean? So <laughs> if if he had thoughts on you know the the landscape outside of... You know, you you can pick things up here and there. He does talk about, like, I wanted to make a movie that focused on family. That's the shit yeah. I care about, right? Sure. As opposed to, like, launching into space and planting the five bibbly bops or whatever he said. Like, he has a whole quote yeah. going on, like, a really weird tangent about, like, clearly he thinks a lot of, like, superhero movies are doing things no one should care about.
1: <laughs> I can I can see that in this movie, though, because yeah. it is, like, this is not a movie that's interested in wild plot devices and stuff like that it, or, or anything. Like, it. All of its action sequences are pretty like they're not low key because they're obviously they're huge action sequences, but like they're very straightforward. Do you know, what it's I mean? funny too
0: because the action sequences are massively improved over the first for yeah. obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But it's it, he talks constantly about how like the flashy action, like he loves the flashy action, and he'll call this a flashy action flick, right? Like mm-hmm. go for the action, rock out or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then also obviously has some sort of take he won't say directly yeah. on like blockbuster films.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so weird, Derek. He's weird.
0: He's it's, so weird and cryptic yeah, in like really a way is. that, but I don't even know if it's technically cryptic or if he's just a weird dude. Like, I don't know.
1: No, <laughs> I, I think he's just a weird dude. I can't and I puzzle think, him. I think he just like, I'm sure he has stuff. I think he might be one of those. I think we may even talk about this on one of the movies. I, I always get the impression that he's one of those artists who like, doesn't even, who has stuff going on in his head, but like, doesn't even really know what that stuff is. It's just like, he just I makes that the art. And like, I think it's can- got
0: to be the case. And I think he yeah. thinks he's doing that, even if he doesn't think he's doing that, you yeah. know? Cause, yeah. Or he has, like, a natural sort of, like, defense mechanism against people going beyond that, you know? Sure. <laughs> Sure. He's like the old writer that you would write to in high school who would be like, stop looking for meaning in my books. It's about chocolate, you know?
1: Right, exactly, exactly. And it's just like, well, you were definitely influenced by, like, the culture <laughs> you raised in and what's going on yeah. in the world. Like, that's definitely in there, even if you don't realize it, yeah. so. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so yeah. funny. And
0: since he's the primary, since he's an auteur or mm-hmm. whatever, I never say that right. Like, he 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 is the primary voice behind everything, right? So if you're right. trying to figure out, like, what was going on, uh, or how things were getting made, it's like it's just him. Even when he's in an interview with somebody else like his producer, uh, like one of his producers or just anybody else, it's like it, it, he he almost doesn't want them to even go there either. And you're like, Brad, That's just true. stop. Just let, let people just have questions.
1: That's so funny. <laughs> I mean, I do appreciate that kind of thing because I, I think it also makes sense to be the kind of artist where you're like, I don't want to – like, I don't want to say what my work means because that's up to you to decide one way or another. So stop asking me. <laughs> you can it on your own. That I like, if,
0: that's, if that's what it is, then I respect it for Yeah, sure. yeah. I don't I always can... get that sense, but if that is what it is, sure. then I definitely respect it. Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> It's just, it's, 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 it's just, it's, I don't know. It's so weird. I mean, do you, do you remember, I, I don't know what, we're getting to a point now where we're like five years out from these movies, you Which know? is like very we're, weird. Yeah. We're very rap, weird. We're rapidly approaching the canon to the point at which the podcast existed, you know? Yeah. So I, I imagine you remember this coming out i imagine you're remembering yeah. announcements or some sort of chatter like what do you remember Yeah,
1: i didn't pay much attention to it i just the only thing i knew is that it was a second one and helen gets a lot more focus and there's a and like uh, a dad has to take care of baby and like that's it that's that's it so i didn't know what the plot was i didn't know what the major conflict was i didn't even know who the cast was outside of the people who were returning like I really genuinely, surprisingly considering this is twenty eighteen, genuinely knew like as little I think as you could about the movie.
0: Yeah. Um and did that maintain throughout uh when you watched this finally?
1: Mm-hmm. Like yeah, did yeah. you still I, not I never, know anything? Yeah, I never I never looked it up. I avoided any podcasts about it or anything. Which I remember there's an episode on a, a, on Brad Bird that I actually want to go back and listen to of a podcast <laughs> now that I put off for like three years. Um <laughs> Yeah. uh, Yeah. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, it was all kind of like, I I didn't know where it was going. Um, Not that there's like, gigantic plot twists in this movie necessarily like it wasn't no, like I, it wasn't i get wasn't the sense he would almost be
0: averse to something so right drastic. yeah if, if anything <laughs> like there are twists but they're not twists that are yeah especially hidden from you like the twists are literally in the characters names you know you what can i mean
1: tell who the bad guys are very early in the movie yeah. or like you might not know the whole scope of it but you can kind of predict it i figured it out very early but it didn't feel like it was like bad storytelling it was just like Okay, cool. You set up your potential villains, and oh, I yep, mean that's this the villain. Is a, All right. This is, yeah, this is a guy who's
0: influenced by like Adam West Batman and James Bond, mm-hmm. like Sean Connery James Bond movies and like right. B movies and stuff like that. Like he's not he's not trying to like gag and goop you. Yeah, you know? the
1: reveal of the villain isn't really that big of a deal because there's still a lot of movie left after that happened. Yeah. It's just like one aspect of the story, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: But that's I'm I'm glad that you still went into this like not really knowing mm-hmm. anything outside of those two things. Sure. Um, and I think what you knew sounds like it was just the trailer.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm you know? That's all I got from that. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I think is fine because I, I think, like I said, I already had expectations just because of the time in which it was coming out in the, in terms of superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it like has really no conversation, you know, no really, no, I'm sure, you know, there's probably things we can dig into or threads we can pull, but like no overt conversation about the state of superhero movies mm-hmm. necessarily overtly in it like that was actually that was kind of the biggest surprise for me actually that it was just like it was it just allowed itself to be totally separate from like the sort of universe in which we're living right now which is yeah. kind of refreshing because like yeah superheroes don't always have to be constantly commenting on superhero stuff mm-hmm. so
0: yeah yeah exactly um the only thing that i really so i i i definitely saw this in theaters i remember seeing it in theaters um and seeing it in theaters <laughs> Uh you and I have you and I on our first viewing had a different experience. I don't know if you came across this at all, but uh seeing it in the theaters and seeing it like on the first night it came out uh resulted in my one complaint about Incredibles 2 that is no longer a complaint I have about Incredibles 2. So I don't know if you know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um but the uh original theatrical release here in the US had a much stronger uh flashing effect. <laughs> That people complained about. (laughs) I was wondering what theaters had to warn moviegoers about. Yeah, Uh, and so the the version anybody's watching now is much less flashy. Okay, uh, which I tried to pay attention to this time because I was like, I wonder, I wonder if it's as as bad as I remember. And I know it was bad when I saw it. There were like there were certain scenes that I remember that I was watching this time. I was trying to keep track of when the flashy stuff was. Sure. I was trying to be like, really, I was trying to really pay attention to it. Cause I don't, I don't think I've ever brought this up. Like I don't have like a seizure uh, disorder or anything, but I am very sensitive to like flashing and stuff. This came up uh, in a conversation between you and me, like during Watchmen at one point where there's like a really incredible episode of yeah. Watchmen, but I was like struggling to watch it cause I had so much flashing. Yeah. Um. And there are certain scenes in this movie that I remember being really hard to watch because of that flashing. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, No, that doesn't surprise me. And it's, it's interesting because like the toned down version that I watched, I did think about that. And I was like, I I was actually kind of like, I didn't realize this context for it. I didn't realize that it used to be flashier because I was thinking like, like, wow, this could have been so much worse. And wow. Okay. It 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 was. was. (laughs) Yeah. Because I do think that like the version that exists now, it still does a good job of conveying like a hypnotic effect effect with bright lights it's just more of like the sort of like old-fashioned like spiral hypnotism kind of style yes. um you don't like you don't really need flashing lights with that it still conveys the same effect but okay that's they still gave saying, into the impulse right? like, unfortunately
0: <laughs> well that's the thing like this is I, there's not really that many opportunities to speak on this but like i get so annoyed when moved like the rise of skywalker came out like the next year and that was a big topic of conversation no one really seemed to talk about it too much with watchmen but but that definitely could be one of the ones for conversation. Watchmen's a little different, though, because TV, I feel like, is often a little bit different, specifically in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it always bothers me when movies do that, because I'm like, especially sequels or especially movies that are part of a series. And my thing with like Rise of Skywalker was like, can you imagine being a lifelong like Star Wars fan and then finally being like, oh, I guess I can't see the last Star Wars movie because... It has flashing effects that might give me a seizure. (laughs) Like, what the hell? Yeah. So it always drives me a little bit bonkers. I remember that was really the only thing. This is all a big tangent, but it's really the only thing I remember seeing Hmm. in the theaters having any sort of complaints about. I remember having a lot of fun. I remember thinking it was really cool that there were so many new characters. I knew that it was picking up moments after the first one going into it. So I was really curious as to how they would tackle that. And I remember it being sort of just like a romp. I guess I was rocking out, as Brad Bird would say.
1: <laughs> cool, yeah. I mean, it's a rocking out movie. Like, the action in this movie is incredible. Like, mm-hmm. they, they pull off some really inspired action sequences. And, like, you know, it's... It it is a that it, it is like kind of a point of conversation. Like you can get action really wrong in in superhero movies, and I think plenty of superhero movies that exist now, as good as like effects have gotten, sometimes it like goes overboard where it's just like I have no fucking clue what I'm looking at. Like there's just too much happening on screen right now. Like too more isn't always better. And I think in this movie, like all of their action sequences are so beautifully choreographed, and like I think the scale is usually exactly right. Like a lot of the coolest ones yeah. are like just. Elastigirl on a motorcycle doing oh my cool God. shit, you know? Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know enough about superheroes, superpower history, gadgetry, vehicles, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So maybe this comes from somewhere. Maybe this is inspired by something. I have no idea. I hope it's not because Elastigirl's motorcycle is one of the coolest things I've literally ever seen in any superhero property yeah. ever. It's one of the coolest it's utilizations cool. of a superpower and a, and a vehicle interaction, or any gadget interaction. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. incredible. It's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. It is And they incredible. use it so well. Like, the whole the whole sequence in which she uses it, that whole, like, train chase thing, yeah. which ultimately ends in her blowing the thing up, which I can understand. You don't want to use it as a crutch. Like, they use it just enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything they have her, it's like they thought of every cool thing she could do with that motorcycle that splits in half, and they did it exactly, like, one time you know yeah for sure oh my sure. god it's the coolest it's my it's i think it's my favorite superhero vehicle of any superhero vehicle
1: in I, any property yeah. ever i was definitely losing my <laughs> mind watching that i'm just it's like so i can cannot... cool. because like i don't know it makes you think like God, so many other times that I've seen other characters with stretchy powers like use them on stuff, like it feels so uninspired compared to what yeah. they do with Elastigirl. <laughs> like it, it <laughs>
0: makes her my favorite, like stretchy. I mean, she's she's yeah. in competition with like Ms. Marvel, but like it makes her my favorite stretchy superhero, I think, for sure. Just because yeah,
1: just the ingenuity of it. I think
0: it's because they think of their
1: property differently.
0: You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's just they're not they're not pulling. I mean, obviously they're pulling from inspiration. They're still superheroes. They can't ignore the fact that superheroes have existed for however long but they can kind of I, I think they just look at it, it feels like they look at things with fresh eyes and they keep things simple you were talking about like the simple action and and how they don't over complicate their action sequences mm-hmm. uh, they don't over complicate a lot of things I think it really like all of that sort of like really feels clear and intentional when you just look at like the supporting superhero cast, like most of them are just so basic Mm -hmm. (laughs) and their costumes are so ugly, but it's (laughs) clearly just like they're superheroes. They just wear clothes and they have powers. Like what, why are we overcomplicating things? Sure.
1: Sure. Yeah. I appreciate that a lot.
0: (laughs) It's like they, yeah, they resist. I feel like they must've resisted so much temptation to like, Oh, we're introducing eight new superheroes. Like how can we, how can we bring their costumes into the current landscape? Yeah and and they just didn't like they no. just, they kept it fully in line with what The Incredibles was already doing costume wise
1: it is super like the earliest of comic books kind it's of great. design for things I appreciate it I mean I'm sure it makes it easier for the designers because it's sort of like you're not really trying to look cool and they end up often looking cool anyway mm-hmm. j- uh, just because of the simplicity of it but like if you're not aiming for that like you can have your more cartoony looking characters like I I, I was going to say this with like the action stuff like with uh, with Girls power set it's almost like they draw more inspiration from like Looney Tunes types fi- type physics yeah. than superhero stuff to make it work. And I think the same is for like a lot of the designs of the costumes where it's like they're less interested in like what are the coolest comic books doing and more like what's your like silliest like cartoons what are your silliest cartoon designs? And like, what would a person who was who, with that in mind, making a superhero suit do? And, yeah. and that's kind of what you end up getting. Like there are a lot, a lot of kind of exact, I mean, there's always exaggerated body types and stuff in this movie. And so they're, they able to, they're able to play with that with their superhero characters too. So you can have your like reflex superhero oh guy that looks like <laughs> a frog or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like part of the universe. Oh, <laughs> when
0: I tell you he's one of my favorite characters to use in Lego Incredibles. It's- oh geez he's like my go-to like fire fire guy
1: i really liked screech's design and he's one of the more complicated designs. he's like the only
0: complicated yeah man, i would argue but but
1: i think that it like works for him for like what he is and it makes him stand out and it's also just a hella cool looking design that they yeah. have on him
0: yeah absolutely so okay this i think so much of the conversation that i feel like surrounds this movie is is tied to the even though it doesn't feel like it happened 14 years later i still feel like it's kind of tied to the fact that like this is a thing that was anticipated and like you could wonder all day long about what was going to happen to these characters and stuff right and they do like flip the script on on certain things they're not like subverting expectations necessarily but like you mentioned helen's like a much bigger part of it uh mm-hmm. bob Parr, bill Parr, bob Parr, bob Parr um is uh <laughs> is at home for for the vast majority of the movie or at least the first half of the movie. Yeah. Um and then you get to see like the continued story of Violet and Jack Jack and all this sort of stuff. So like I guess not knowing where each of these characters was necessarily going, I am curious to get your reactions to what happens to them given sure. that this is just sort of like the immediate reaction to everything that happened in the first one. I think like the one I'm most curious about might honestly be like maybe Bob Parr and Jack Jack together. Mm. I'm curious as to what you thought about all that.
1: Here's my um confession. I fully forgot that they didn't know that Jack Jack had powers because I yeah. he shows off that he has powers. I just uh, thought that they knew that. I don't I forgot that like they didn't see that happen. I guess does he only do it in front of the villain? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think he, okay. he
0: uses them on syndrome. He uses like four or five powers on syndrome, and then I think he's falling through the air, and I think they slingshot um Elastigirl. Cool. Uh, or Mrs. Incredible or whatever. I think they slingshot yeah. her to catch him when he's so- just like falling as a baby.
1: So I was a little bit confused at first <laughs> I that was they like, like didn't know.
0: I, mean, I think yeah, yeah I, I think that's the one thing that they maybe could have made a little bit clearer. But I maybe they're just yeah. assuming that you watched the first one it's before fine. you went to the theater. You know, I mean,
1: I figured it out pretty quickly. Like, yeah. oh, okay, so nobody, yeah. literally, no one knows he has powers. I got, I got, it, I got it. So, hmm, yeah, I don't, I, I'm sort of conflicted about the Bob <laughs> stuff because it feels like it is such an. Here's here's where I where I where I know that I firmly land is I think that they execute it all well I think it's all it ends up being very fun and everything right but I do feel like with his storyline it's the kind of thing where like it feels very archaic to me like and I've seen it I've seen the Mister Mom thing mm-hmm. done so many times before oh dads have to take care of the families they don't know how hard mom has it like yeah. and I I you know obviously both of these movies are sort of like a retro throwback. Like they're a very classic nuclear family, you know? So the, some of the tropes are playing on is sort of like what you would see in a fifties, like leave it to beaver episode or something in some cases. And that's definitely part and parcel to it. So I can sort of accept that. Um, I guess it's just sort of like, I don't know. I I, I, like it was fine and it was executed as well as it could be. I guess I just like, don't know that I feel like I needed that story. Like it didn't speak to me at all. I don't know if it would speak to anybody necessarily, but I do think like just, you know, how tiring parenting is period is like represented very well. And I think that's, that part of it is probably pretty relatable, but. I, don't know. I
0: suspect that Bob Parr's like aren't dads terrible at being parents when mom's away? Story. Uh-huh. I bet you it resonates with a lot more people than we realize. I mean, which is unfortunate. So.
1: <laughs> no, I, I I think that it does. That's why the story pops up. But I guess like I've also seen that I've seen that story yeah. so many fucking times. Every single sitcom in existence has done that story. So yeah. it's like I guess I just didn't need it in an Incredibles movie. And there is something there is something that is enticing about like what if you put that scenario in an environment where the baby has like unlimited superpowers that is cool and i think that that's what makes the story as fun as it is um but considering how much like real estate it takes up in this movie i'm just like i mean sure i guess it's just i don't feel like it's that much more inspired than what i've seen on your average cbs sitcom to be honest well
0: honestly i think the way that brad bird talks about the movies he makes makes that harder to sort of parse out right because like like you said you could chalk it up to like oh well it's 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 obviously inspired like that sort of leave it to beaver older sort of retro storytelling type of thing but he he speaks so simply about where things come from that it's like, well, then, what are you doing it for if you're not commenting on it? You know, like if you're not commenting on these types of stories, why are you just doing another one and so it's it's weird, it's one of those things where it's like I mean, you could pull stuff out of it, but I don't know that it yeah, I don't know that it needed to be there. I'm not yeah. sure entirely what it fully adds to the necessary pieces of the story, but it is it it does all end up being like pretty fun. It's fun, yeah.
1: Did did Brad Bird like have a child like in the 14 years between the first one and second one? And then this is like a reflection of his experience or something like that, you know? He he does
0: talk like he does talk like uh, the type of guy that would be sort of like, Oh, I'm just lost without you, honey. Like, yeah, uh, sure, you know, like when he talks about Bob Parr, that's kind of how he talks about him, yeah. Um, And so uh, Probably unfortunately I really do feel like he believes in the sort of like uh in these characters like purely at face value, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um but he also he manages to create stories and relationship dynamics between them that all still feel very true. So it's not like problematic necessarily in any mm-hmm. regard because he's just yeah, like yeah. it's all it's very fine. observational, you know what I mean? But uh but yeah, it is interesting. I mean, this is the longest Pixar movie by I don't know, like 10 minutes or something. Um, But it is almost two hours long. And if you wanted a much tighter version of Incredibles 2, like, I think the first thing you would look at is a lot of that, like, home life stuff. Yeah. Um, But again, like, I bet you a lot of people watched it and were just like, oh, my gosh, they're just like us, which is kind of the (laughs) point, you
1: know? Sure, yeah. And there's plenty of funny bits in it. Like, I'm not... I'm, I was never mad about what I was seeing. Yeah, yeah. It really was more like thinking about it, you know, after the fact and whatnot. That was that that is where like those thoughts came from. But like yeah. they're all very funny, and seeing him just be like relentlessly tired is <laughs> is very funny. Yeah, and very relate. That part's very relatable. Yeah. So it is. Yeah.
0: I, it is interesting. Like I, I do wonder. And I know, I know Brad Bird would say, you know, nothing, but I do wonder like what we're supposed to take away from Bob Parr's story in this one. Cause it all comes from this idea that like, what if, what if my wife were considered better at something than me because I'm Mr. (laughs) Incredible, I'm the best, you know? Um, And I, I, I guess, I guess it ends with him like recognizing her ability to do stuff. Cause like the whole, I I don't know, maybe it's more just like if it's her, if it's her story then then i guess she gets the validation from her family who's taking her for granted in the end which is like go on you can do this when she says like no i got to stay um but that doesn't feel like that doesn't feel like much
1: <laughs> yeah I don't know. Are they taking her for granted though? I feel like the entire movie, they all recognize like things would be better if mom were here. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, well, that's what's weird about it, right? Like,
1: I don't think they're ever taking her for granted. Ever is yeah. the thing.
0: <laughs> I guess maybe maybe it's not taking her for granted as just as much as just like like I don't know. There's something. Well, I don't know what it is then, because like I don't know because he underestimated it's hard he underestimates her but it's all in the framework of like but i'm good you're not bad sweetie but like yeah, yeah. i'm really good right so there is still some sort of like yeah, under appreciation like or lack of like seeing her as an equal mm-hmm. um even if he's even if he's recognizing he's doing it right and then the kids i think that yeah the kids certainly always appreciate her because yeah. the, the first their first instinct is like I need mom. I guess it's, so, okay, this is going to be a weird thing to bring up in the circumstance, but there's this archetype on Survivor and a lot of reality TV shows. (laughs) It's going to make sense, I promise. (laughs) And it's the archetype of the mom who's finally doing something for herself, you know? Like, I've spent the last 20 years raising my kids, and now I'm finally doing something for me, you know? And it's, I think maybe she falls into that sort of archetype, because the kids know they need her, Mm -hmm. But the kids almost like need her to the point where like she's lost a sense of like who she is and who she gets to be. So it's not that they're like taking her for granted. It's more like they just don't see her as a person outside of like, I need you to run my life for me, mom, please. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: No, I think that makes sense. Yeah.
0: So maybe it's more that than it is like the the take for like taking her for granted thing. Um, I I think they're somehow related. I just don't know how to put words to it.
1: Yeah, I think I see what you're getting at. I don't know. I guess it yeah, it it is it's just generally just like family stuff. And I don't know if yeah, I don't know if there really is even if it really is much of like a message or takeaway from it. It's just like what if these characters are were in this situation, this is how they react the end. Like, you know what I mean? There's like a small
0: (laughs) part of me, it's not the majority of me, but there's a small part of me that like kind of respects the fact that allegedly, ostensibly, Brad Bird does not set out to make a movie that has a message. He just sets out to make a movie that works and is fun to watch. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes that means you walk away being like, did I learn something from that? I don't know, but I don't know if I care, you know?
1: Right. No, I think that I I feel like this movie very much falls into that category. It feels like they're very solid character arcs and the characterization is always on point and makes sense. Um, But like do where the characters go in the movie, like, do they do I feel like they end the movie substantially different than the beginning? Not really. Do I feel like <laughs> Yeah, was there a I,
0: character journey? Violet literally is like in the exact same place she was at the end of the first one. Like
1: <laughs> I think she like maybe appreciates her dad a little more. She goes, a,
0: she goes through a journey. Yeah. But like her primary thing is like at the beginning of this movie, she's ready to go on her date. She loses her date and is mad about that. And then it mm-hmm. gets fixed by the end. And she's like, all right, now let me get back on this date shit. Right,
1: right. <laughs> Which is i I have no problem fine. with that.
0: I love that Violet knows exactly what she wants.
1: I like Violet a lot in this movie. Like yeah. I think that she's really fun, and like I think her her role in it is good. And I, I do feel like she feels I she does feel like she does feel like she has evolved from the first movie, like, intentionally. I, this I feels do...
0: like the payoff from her character journey in the first movie. Yeah, right? yes, yes. You don't get to yeah. really see the payoff outside of, like, at the end of the movie, her being like, all right, let's do this, fam. Yeah, And this yeah. one, she like, she's really, like, grown up as, like, um, like the older sibling, the one who yeah. who theoretically could take care of stuff when mom Absolutely. And dad are away
1: she she is characterized to be more confident, like generally, and it doesn't feel like a, a different it doesn't feel wildly different. It feels like how she ended up in the in the end of the first movie. and um, yeah, and she feels like her her sort of more leadership abilities have improved, you know,
0: oh so, and you know what else has improved and is way cooler in this movie. the way Violet uses her powers in this movie. Fucking rules! <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She like so. I mean, she she can be invisible and she can project like a force field around herself and others, right? And we saw that she could do a little bit more with that, you know, in the first one. But in this one, she's like fully figured out how to like project basically like force field blades and like use her powers to like punch people. <laughs> like it's just so cool. Like yeah. it's awesome, and you just sort of see like oh, she's as she continues to like figure this stuff out her power set's gonna be like cool as hell
1: i people make the argument for um for invisible woman that like just could potentially be the the most powerful member of the fantastic four if not portrayed mm-hmm. that way like directly in certain versions and i think violet's kind of the same way like her, her sort of like power set could potentially be absolutely broken if yeah. if used correctly you know yeah um yeah yeah I mean I guess the same can be said for Super Speed which Dash has and Dash I would argue gets like fuck all to do in this movie yeah. like a- absolutely nothing. I don't know that I needed to see more of him. I think no. I was given enough of it, but it is it is it is kind of wild to me that like he really absolutely no- nothing. Well, I think it had I don't
0: I don't envy them having to figure out what to do with Dash because Dash, again, this movie picking up immediately where the last one left off means that Dash is still an overexcited 10-year-old and his whole thing was... Can you let me use my superpowers and they said yes. So now yeah. he's using his superpowers. Like yeah, and he's like and everything's this, fine now. Yeah, I don't his,
1: really have any issues. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> like they like he's
0: he's getting what he wants. His personality didn't change since the right. last one. Like he didn't need he didn't need that. Like his whole thing in the last one was like can I just be myself and and now he's being himself whereas like Violet was actively trying not to sort of be herself and yeah. like Yeah. There there was an internal journey for her. There was an external journey for him. So Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, he really kind of, he he kind of only ever serves other people, right? Like, his, his character yeah. in the story. Like, he is, he's obviously, like, a big piece of what Bob is going through at home, uh, trying to manage Dash, and then also, like... When when Bob isn't there anymore, it, mm. he becomes like, quote, Violet's problem, you know, <laughs> like right, right. he's sort of like an extra piece people have to juggle. But it, it, he still contributes to stuff in the end. Yeah,
1: He does cool stuff. It's just it's. Just, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't know that I needed more from him or anything. Um, no. Like he we might have. De- Said
0: similar in the first one, to be honest.
1: I don't remember. I
0: don't know. <laughs> I think, not that we like rank them or anything, but I don't know that we were like, I, I like Dash. I like Dash fine. I think he serves exactly the right yeah. purpose. He
1: has a very specific role.
0: Yeah. But he's probably, I mean, he's probably my least favorite par. Sure. <laughs> he's he's, he's definitely like, my least favorite par. He's very,
1: he's, but he's also like, in, I feel like intentionally like the least interesting care like yeah. not least interesting the least like the has the least the least depth is that the right way you'd say that yeah the least amount the of least, depth the least amount of de- i was missing the amount of he has like the least amount of depth i think intentionally because he is just a hyperactive 10 year old yeah he, like, he, just he, wants he to he's go not fast. gonna be that complicated yeah <laughs> um, that's what he's so, supposed to
0: represent and that's what these characters are for brad bird right they like, represent yeah, yeah. a very specific member of the family at a point in their life and where dash is is overactive 10 year old who just want to go fast
1: right so like what you there's only so much you can do with it do with him oh no he's struggling with math yep (laughs) okay common core I love that a big plot point is like god (laughs) common core math everyone it sucks Uh. you
0: can see like a little bit of (laughs) like little bits and pieces of things that Brad Bird is clearly frustrated by in life or in in society do poke their head through in this movie one of them is clearly common core math so funny. Um, and another one what is the other one that that stood out to me like very obviously oh violet violet um uh critic of the justice system icon uh, oh, yeah. Basically, being like, "Oh well, she's rich, so she'll be out in a day." Like, <laughs> I can appreciate that quite a bit. <laughs> yep, yep, me too. Yeah. Um. So there's like little things here and there where it's like, "Okay, Brad Bird, you do have a perspective on things.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, you do have yeah. opinions. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You're not you're not a totally neutral figure. Yeah, you're not
0: fully things. apolitical, sir." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you fall, and I probably don't necessarily need to or need that in my life. I don't think I want to know that. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But uh, it's nice to know that you're there. You do think about stuff.
1: Yeah. Also, can I just say, I just noticed the actor that they got to replace Dash in this movie, Uh his name is Huckleberry Milner. Yeah. what a name
0: good old huck yeah I, I feel so bad though i mean one of the big issues with doing a sequel 14 years later is like the original dash doesn't get to come back like to be dashed it's i'm surprised they, they didn't him cast, in cast the... him in another
1: yeah. yeah in a fun little like cameo where, like, as or like or just as one of the other superheroes, the other superheroes. exactly he, maybe he didn't want to come back who i knows? could see that
0: i mean he was probably very young for the first one so who knows if he yeah. even liked it you know
1: oh he is a uh now he's a, an american musician and singer and former child actor so he might just okay. not
0: yeah just not into it
1: he just yeah he's just in a band now so he might just not act at all anymore
0: too cool for acting huh spencer fox yeah
1: yeah
0: <laughs> just kidding child acting is hard uh we yeah, should for sure. we should examine it more critically <laughs> uh, absolutely absolutely
1: yeah it is it is interesting i i am I would be interested to see if you're watching the first one and second one back to back because I haven't watched – I haven't watched the first one since we did our podcast on it about a year ago or something. Um, I was feeling like – I feel like for Craig T. Nelson and Sarah Val especially, I feel like you can sense – you can tell that their voices are a little bit older. Mm. Um, But – Maybe my memory's wrong and they sounded exactly like that in the first one, too. I don't know. Holly Hunter has sounded like Holly Hunter for I mean, like, 30 years. I don't know so. how she could not.
0: <laughs> right. <I> mean, <laughs> so she, that's the no difference. I always forget that she's like one of my favorite people to listen to speak, but I think uh, she's one of my favorite people to listen to she speak. She truly you know? is. And she I don't know if she, how, you know, she, she already sounded like that. Yeah. Whatever that is, I love yeah. it, but she already sounded like that. I don't know how she's going to – how does that voice change, you know?
1: Right, <laughs> right, right. Um,
0: I didn't necessarily pick up um, anything with Violet or Bob, but I also didn't I, – I knew that Dash was a different voice, and I didn't pick up anything with him either. I just, I, the, mm-hmm. the the kid they got does an incredible job as, oh, yeah, like, an great. unintentional sound-alike, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, he's. I mean, great. I know
0: that they cast him as a sound alike, but he's a kid. He's clearly not doing anything <laughs> to right. be a sound alike.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of ten-year-old kids kind of sound like that. So, like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it if you makes just sense. get him in the right sort of like yeah. mindset, give but him the he, sugar. He played the uh, the the sort of hyperactivity of Dash very well. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Can I ask you something? Okay. I didn't pick up on this until after this watch, which is uh-huh. funny. I've never thought about this before. Okay. Did you happen to notice at any point during or after the movie that the person who ultimately ends up being the villain of this film is named Evelyn Dever, which literally is just evil endeavor?
1: Oh, my God. I was wondering <laughs> what the heck Dever, like, was supposed to be.
0: Do you think there evil are people endeavor. who, who who like, when she's introduced, like, introduced her, like, wait, her name's... Evelyn Dever, she's the bad guy, then, right?
1: <laughs> I don't know how do people <laughs> are going to think evil Endeavor. Like that's such a bizarre like co- combination. That's such a bizarre pair of words. Well, I thought to of make it first with her a brother because
0: I was like Winston Dever, Win That's not a pun. And then that's why I thought of her name. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> evil, evil
1: Endeavor. Wow. It's literally evil Endeavor. That's very funny. That's it's very well funny.
0: hidden, and I yeah. mean, given that I didn't notice for five years,
1: yeah. Yeah, no, I never got – I just assumed – I assumed either her or her brother or both of them were the villains just because yeah. that – I mean, wasn't that also like Cars 3? Like, well, no, I guess he doesn't like the villain villain, but like they also – like in Cars 3, it's like, oh, we met a uh, big benefactor who's like a yeah. big fan of you. Actually, I'm kind of bad. Like, yeah. uh, you know.
0: It is. I mean, they are they are in, in weird proximity to each other, these stories, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I, I did think that like – I thought it was going to be – and I, I guess I didn't <laughs> – I I don't know enough about Brad Bird or his other films to know if I should or shouldn't have expected this. But, like, I I expected Evelyn to be a am I using red herring correctly like I expected her to be a distraction you know and I figured I figured either her brother was going to be bad or it was or they together were just a distraction or something sure Um, but it really is as straightforward as like the gloomy sibling who talks about how we shouldn't rely on superheroes the moment she's introduced on screen is actually the one who is trying to stop superheroes from existing yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's really that simple
1: it really is it really is I mean I don't know I mean I don't know yeah I don't know if they were intentionally trying to do a bait and switch thing but it's sort of like it is the thing where it's sort of like did you do it on did, did you try to do this like double like double kind of uh hiding of it where it's like you introduce your gloomy your gloomy sibling and then the the really bright and sunny one and then so everyone will think like i bet it's the bright and sunny one because they're trying to pull something over right. on us and you switch it back to like the one that's actually the most you know, the, the most obvious one. I don't know. I don't or know, but that's exactly like, what I did. Yeah,
0: <laughs> That's what I, that's what happened in my head. Yeah. I mean, also
1: like Bob Odenkirk, like cheery Bob Odenkirk would make a very fun villain. Like yeah. I would have still been interested to see the version of this movie where he was the villain of it. Cause I think that would have been a really fun villain to have. Yeah. I like, I like what we get with uh Catherine Keener too. Um, You know, she's just very much like, yeah, I'm evil. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's funny too. Like they really, this movie really is not making any attempts to hide yeah. that. Like it's, it's so they don't, they don't introduce her as the villain the moment they introduce her, but it's, they're not hiding it either. It's like they reveal her as the villain when the characters figure out that she is one. Like the audience, it doesn't matter to them. If you figure it out beforehand, great. Like, that's not a failure. If you don't figure it out until then, even better, you know? Like, But even before they reveal her, she has, like, a whole speech about how, like, people can't solve problems for themselves, which is, like, literally what Screenslaver, this sort of, like, puppet villain, was talking about. So even before she reveals it to Helen, she's, like, talking exactly the way that Screenslaver was. So it's, like, they're really not – there's no wool to be pulled over anyone's eyes.
1: Do you think that – the monologue that the fake screen slaver gives, that's, like, all about, I don't even, I didn't oh write boy. It down. Like, do you think that's supposed to mean anything, or do you, is that supposed to be a misdirect where it's, like, what is he saying? is that, that have to do with his, like, backstory? Oh, wait, no. It's just, like, all bullshit because it's all Evelyn just faking it anyway. Like... Well, but I don't know. No, cuz <laughs> cuz what
0: he's talking about is what she's talking about, right? She I she guess so. is a character who's always been able to solve her own problems. That's like her whole thing is like she's she's the inventor, she's the one who develops technology. If there is a problem that needs solving within the company or within technology or as an engineer, like she's always been able to do it and she saw her brother try to rely on other people, specifically superheroes, to solve a life or death situation, um, and that backfired. So then she's emboldened in this attitude of like, people need to be self-sufficient. And Screenslaver's whole thing is like, people are too reliant on technology and their screens and all this sort of stuff. It's funny because it's literally what she does, right? She develops this technology, but she's clearly doing it with like, venom in her mouth Mm -hmm. um, over, over, being the one kind of like feeding this to the masses. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, I think it really is just, I think it's as straightforward as like, she was, she was spouting her own sort of manifesto through screen slaver and then really just wanted to eliminate or at least make illegal superheroes so that people would stop relying on, on other people to solve their problems. Yeah. doesn't really like resolve her role in anything, but of course she's the villain. She's not going to see her role in any of that
1: yeah no, that makes sense I, I i didn't write any of it down, so I don't know I feel like there was like stuff in in Slaver's like monologue that was that felt like 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 are you trying to comment on culture right now or something, but it also like didn't really mean anything it's all you know just about like no, it's movies and t v these days and it's, stuff like that. It's definitely
0: interesting because yeah. it's yeah i mean Slaver's whole thing has a lot to do with technology and screens and movies and Um, stuff like that. So it feels like there's some sort of commentary in there. It's where you would expect a movie to have a perspective on the world, right? It makes Um, like
1: I could see like a Batman movie where you're like Riddler or whoever is gonna be saying stuff that's like that. Where it's like, oh, that's the thing where you know you you kind of connect with the audience. They're sort of like, I mean, he's the bad guy and he shouldn't be like murdering people, but I see his point about society. Like, I kind of felt like it was giving those vibes, but
0: it does. But that's what's so that's what's so confusing about the Incredibles movies, right? Is that like they. don't leave you with a really clear takeaway it's really just like this is the motivation for this character this character has this view on the world and that's what motivates her and we're not necessarily supposed to walk away feeling a certain way because she gets you know put down in her attempts to accomplish this goal because if if the if the if the commentary is that people are too reliant on technology and they can't solve their own problems and we've we've evolved too far into society that we're on track to be, you know, the humans yeah. in WALL-E where we can't do anything for ourselves. Then what is the movie accomplishing by shutting that idea down? Are we supposed to walk away saying like, oh, no, continue to advance technology. It's great. And actually the state of the world is right. Or or are we not like it's 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 really yeah. it's you know it's it's I don't know I don't know what to dig into it with cuz it really does I think you're right it feels like something you're supposed to really pay attention to especially when you listen to Evelyn talk cuz it's not that not that different yeah that's I true. Mean, especially cuz like Evelyn I understand Evelyn is an extreme version of people need to solve problems for themselves, which when you mm-hmm. apply to a real world, uh, a lot of real world situations is a thing that sounds great on the surface, but actually just excuses bad behavior, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, okay. That's, that's, that's a thing to examine here. Um, but the, it's, this movie doesn't really deal in nuance. So it's just the one character who's saying like, people should be able to solve their own problems. And by the way, that's the bad guy. It's right. Like, oh, sure. Okay. I mean, I guess it. I guess it fits into the idea that these are movies about family and they all help each other, That's right?
1: True. Yeah, yeah. hmm. <laughs> I feel like we were
0: equally perplexed by Incredibles yeah. one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just. It, yeah, I guess it really is. I mean, I I think I am believing now that Brad Bird really truly does not set out to to have messages or anything in his movies because. I think all of the stuff we sort of pull incidentally and accidentally from it. Like just because it's there, because a lot of it, everything is sort of like, it like almost makes some kind of sense, but then either is contradicted by something else or doesn't go far enough or something. And not in a way that it feels like it's bad writing. It just feels like, like, I guess I was wrong. That wasn't really something that you were actually trying to say. Yeah. It was just like, he was just like, that's what the villain would say. So that's what the villains are going to (laughs) say. It's difficult because
0: like, I mean, this is even sort of potentially dangerous territory to to walk into because arguably mm. like you shouldn't make art setting out to like, or Not that you shouldn't make art to set out to teach a lesson, but no one should necessarily be obligated to, yeah, right? Yes, yeah. But I also believe that like creators with a platform have a responsibility. And do those things sometimes come at a head? I don't know. Maybe in the case of this movie, if Brad Bird is only approaching it from, okay, why does this character not like superheroes? What's their backstory? Where do they, What shapes their perspective and what becomes their manifesto? everything lines up. It's not bad writing because you can point to everything that led to the events of this movie. Right. But then if you go further than that and then try to pull a moral out of it, it's like, yeah, I I mean, okay. Like, I guess stories can just be that way. And, and I, I, I think that's true. I just, it also sometimes comes to a head when it's like, okay, but you're also recognizing you're making a movie for families. So like, what are we supposed to walk away from it? And I guess he's just one of the, he's just a creator who's willing to admit that he's not, trying to get you to walk away with anything
1: yeah yeah
0: he's not trying to teach kids anything
1: (laughs) i've got got respect for that honestly like like i
0: said there's a part of me that does really respect it there's a part of me that questions it you know and there's a part of me Mm. that i think always will especially depending on what the incidental takeaways are yeah because i think the incidental takeaways can end up being a problem if you're not conscious of them but again again he's 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 it sounds like he's just setting out to make characters that make sense, and these yeah, characters all make which sense, is
1: fine, yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, I think ultimately that's fine, I don't think this movie says anything that's like I find troubling or anything. The first one uh, there's definitely arguments to be made where you can kind of pull some troubling stuff out of it, I think by definitely accident. more so than this one, um, yeah this one, I really don't think you know, obviously, there's just like your gender role conversation, but even that it's like. I don't think it's that bad. Like I feel like it's handled as well as it could. It's just that it's it's sort of playing an archaic gender role type stuff.
0: And it's um, it's archaic, but it's still representative of a lot of people's lives. Right. So a lot of so people like, are still watching this movie, and they're just seeing themselves. Yeah, like, there so are like, plenty really of like problem with, with any yeah. Of we it. we haven't rid the world of like <laughs> ball and chain jokes. You know what I mean? Right, so like, right. <laughs> it it really does feel observational as opposed to any sort of commentary. Right. Yeah. And and I, I bet you, I don't know. I shouldn't make the, I shouldn't bet this. Cause again, I'm not familiar with his stuff, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if Brad Bird makes another movie that completely flies in the face of these stereotypes simply because he was trying to make different characters with sure. different motivations and different relationships, you know? And sure. I think it's, It seems like he wouldn't be setting out to subvert himself. He would just be setting out to make characters that make sense.
1: No, that makes sense. I mean, if you compare this to Ratatouille and like the Iron Giant, like all three of those movies, like the other two aren't interested in family in the same way that this isn't and therefore doesn't have any of the conversations it's a, he's not like reinforcing gender roles or whatever right. in those two movies at all because that there has there's no like mom and dad dynamics that they're really seriously dealing with in those like it is in this movie so you know what yeah, i think it is it i
0: think he just asks a question and then he mm-hmm. lets the story go from yeah. there like what I if think- what if a gun were sent like or he he says gun but like what if a weapon were sentient and didn't want to be a weapon. You know what I mean? Sure. Like that's the what if question where he goes from there. I don't think he really cares as long as he can get a story out of it. That makes sense. Yeah. And in this case, it's like, what if a family of superheroes were forced into hiding and one of them didn't want to be. And the other one thought it was best for them. Like, yeah, that's where he starts. And he just lets it go from there.
1: (laughs) It's just, yeah, I think it's so interesting. Like, at least like for us, because the way that we talk about media is Specifically, because both of our podcasts that we do together are bo- are focused pretty substantially on media that's like made for like children and/or families, you know, yeah. um, or at least like aimed more towards that demographic. And those things inherently usually have to be a little more apparent with any sorts of messages or lessons or, or ideas well, or, or things that they're doing. And so, to have something like so, it is. It's just sort of interesting because usually when something I feel like I've watched plenty of things that very clearly have no vision to them and, like, no no real, like, message that they're going for, that the artist is going for. And it kind of feels like a mess because the story is just not told very well. This is the case where, like, everything is executed amazingly well. It's just about living in a world. It's just oftentimes those things can become a little messy because it doesn't have that sort of core i don't know value or whatever to it well i think the core
0: value or the moral can often be a guiding light to figuring out your story how do we get to the point where this is what people are pulling away from it right and maybe it's i don't know maybe it's harder to write a story the way that brad bird does and maybe that's why we don't see it as much in in the sphere of of media that you and i tend to cover
1: yeah you know the other thing
0: too is like you and i also tend to be interested in looking at things from a social responsibility lens sure. you know and 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 when you're doing that you can usually find something uh one way or the other right you can usually say like okay here's what we're pulling out of this and that's a good thing based on mm. what we think is right for for the world or this is not a good thing based on what we think is right for the world and i think if if you have a creator who's really good at telling stories but is is seemingly uninterested in that type of thinking or that lens it, it it's going to baffle people like us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I think, right? Yeah,
1: I think so. I yeah.
0: think anything you and I cover, we're going to try to find those types of messages, those intentional or incidental takeaways. Mm-hmm. Um, And, and I, maybe there just aren't that many creators who are going to, who are going to be able to pull off not having one, at least in a, in a sure. property as popular as the Incredibles. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. people are going to pull it off in a, in a movie that makes a billion dollars?
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still, it's a good movie. Like it's right. still, it's a good movie. I don't like, I didn't let him really come out of it feeling any particular way other than like, that was fun. Cool.
0: And and given, he tells you that you should rock out during it. I think yeah, that's all I mean, he set out to do.
1: Yeah. So like a mission accomplished, man. You did it. Yeah. I, yeah, I do. Great. I,
0: I. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's just, it's so, it's such a weird, it's such a mm-hmm. weird way to think about a piece of media, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's not that weird, actually. No, I, I don't think it's that weird. I think it's weird for us
1: specifically. It's weird I, I for us based
0: on what we're doing. But if you yeah. think about, like, if, if you and I were to think back to, like, classes we took on literary criticism, it's actually mm-hmm. a very normal way to think about yeah, things. Sure. Do the pieces work is kind of, like, the first question, right? It's that whole idea of, like, you don't have to like a story or like a character for it to be a good story or a good character. And that doesn't really apply to this because whether we like it or not isn't really the question. Yeah. It's more like, does is there a message? And in this case it's like doesn't matter. <laughs> All the pieces yeah. work. <laughs> I
1: think I think we're the weirdos in
0: this situation, honestly. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe. I I, I I I guess so. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I, I've never really thought deeply about this question, but I, I imagine I imagine thinking about what people are taking away from your art mm-hmm. is not uncommon. <laughs> sure. You know? I don't know.
1: Sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I think most, I, I, or, or maybe a better, maybe a good way to put it in specifically the context of Brad Bird doing interviews at press mm-hmm. interviews. I think most creators, whether it's movies, books, t- television shows, whatever, are able to or willing to answer the question, "What do you want people to take away from this?"
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. Think and
0: he's fair. not going to give you an answer, yeah. other than have fun. Which which is right. which is fine, you know. But mm-hmm. like even people who make Star Wars films are gonna be like, Well, we want you to believe that like you always have the power to like change your circumstance or whatever, you know, sure. like there's always an answer to it. Um wh- whereas like I'm always sitting there like, Is my Star Trek or Star Trek Star Trek Star Wars fun or not? You know, that's like my measurement. So
1: Yeah, right, right, for sure. Um, well, this movie is fun. I'm trying to think like uh okay, well we we dipped into like the other some of the other superheroes that they introduce, yeah, all of them are very cool. I think that they do a nice job with having a good variety of superheroes with different powers, like voids portal power is cool as hell.
0: I like that they all have a very clear, specific power, except yes. maybe like the one who also has a complicated costume and screech. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like the one I, that he's they really had a good time with. Owl. Like, he just has owl powers. Like owl is guy with like, owl powers. I guess. Yeah. I guess, so, I guess he's which like fine. I don't know. Yeah. No. It's it's, cool. it's still
0: cool. I, he's he's super rad. But like for the most part, yeah. Like reflux, just like he spits fire, and like brick is just a big, strong, durable person. Right. And and I, my favorite one though is just Crusher, who literally yeah. their one power is they crush things. I love that. It's That's so it. fun. And, and and at one point they even bring up how simple it is and like can you uncrush things? Why would I uncrush things? I crush things.
1: Like it's Great. it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, very cool. Um, I mean, you know, they're ultimately they're like plot devices, but they're used very well. It's just like a, mm-hmm. a way to get other superpowers into the mix. Yeah, uh, during all the chaos and everything.
0: Yeah, I do think Void is like their big sort of like flashy.
1: For piece. sure. And, and she and they gets use the most screen well. time yeah. to, out of all of them. So yeah, yeah I, I yeah I, I think it was a good choice. Yeah, her power's great.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if, if in a different version of Incredibles 2, Void was a much, much bigger character. For sure. Because there's like a little bit of a journey there, right? Like Void is like mm-hmm. excited to meet Elastigirl and wonders how she manages to do it all and be so confident and pretty and strong and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> so it's like clear that like Void has insecurities and by the end of it, she's sort of like... You Know, is I guess more confident in what she's doing, but it's it's, she's not focused on so she got to fight with her hero, so yeah, exactly. That's that's pretty cool, yeah,
1: yeah. This is random, but speaking of like fans, I see that Usher was the name of that valet that was a a fan of Frozone, uh huh. (laughs) So it's a a random cameo,
0: (laughs) yeah, that yeah, it really is because this movie doesn't have yeah many cameos no barely or really any, any.
1: Really, yeah it's such, a, such an odd one i wonder how that happened i don't
0: know <laughs> i really don't because usher usher acts right so like theoretically yeah, usher could mm-hmm. could just be a, a supporting character or even a depending on the like what movie they're making i don't know how much I, i'm not familiar with like ushers filmography so i don't know how much know like how starring much he
1: was, stuff he does i don't know how much he's done recently is the thing i feel like he did a lot in like the 2000s but i don't know what he's done very recently so yeah. i don't know
0: but he's a talented guy so there's no reason he couldn't just like be part of the main cast of a pixar movie so it's like sure. so, and he's such a huge name it's so funny that he's just like yeah, a valet okay.
1: Valley, it's so funny this is really random but i i like that like you occasionally see like actual things on the television that they're watching yeah um like johnny quest Quest and bob is watching the outer limits outer limits like yeah it's very cool i don't remember them doing that in the first movie
0: i don't think they did and it feels uncharacteristic just for pixar Pixar in general outside of wally which has like the the like old musicals you know yeah
1: i thought the same thing i it's I don't know why, but I mean, I like it and it kind of helps with the time period because both of those are things Mm -hmm. that, you know, were popular back then, but also like continued to be popular at at various points into the future. So it kind of has fun with that kind of anachronism of when Incredibles may or may not take place. So The
0: sort of like obviously inspired but timeless uh, nature of this movie. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's the for 60s, sure.
0: but it's not the 60s. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. But it basically is, but not really. Yeah. Right. I think,
0: uh, yeah, Brad Bird is like, it's 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 a future version. of It's a different future version of the 60s where yeah. like future tech exists, but cell phones never will.
1: <laughs> retro futurism, retro futurism yeah. stuff. I love That's it. all I think it is, it's yeah. Fun. Yeah, it's great.
0: Oh, what did you think of, uh, so the, I mean the first Incredibles movie, um, a big piece of it takes place on like the Island. Right. And uh-huh. so like the actual sort of, um, like city set pieces or even like office set pieces are like pretty sparse, mm-hmm. but this one has like a lot more of it. And do you feel like, uh, I don't know. Did you feel like the, the city stuff felt especially different 14 years later in what they looked like or how they were designed or anything like that?
1: I mean, I think it's in line with what we've seen from Pixar for the past couple of movies. I think like were- Toy
0: Story two to Toy Story three.
1: Yeah, I mean I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean it, a lot of it looks photorealistic <laughs> when you're looking yeah. at the city. So
0: It's just interesting cuz like that wasn't I mean that wasn't they 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 do it, I guess this is this is uh this makes sense. It's not mm. like remarkable or anything, but like they do maintain how people look. Like they do their yeah, best yeah. to keep characters and human beings looking the same way they did with right. 2018 technology as they did in 20 20- Uh, 2004 technology and they looked the way they did in 2004 because they were pushing it you know what i mean so they they almost like had to figure out a way to aesthetically make the humans look like they were made in 2004 (laughs) but then like everything else uh looks incredible i mean they did they updated like frozone's superpowers Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which look incredible
1: yeah they look very good look so good and i mean like they were so stylized in the first place anyway that like I think it kind of works like I think it's a more timeless design than I think a lot of other like human designs in in CGI animation had been and I think like like if they tried to do the same thing with and like if they really tried to pull toy story one andy and like put him into like three and four without like kind of redesigning him it wouldn't have worked the same way because like fun the the way things looked were fundamentally different the 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 incredibles were so stylized in the first place that Mm -hmm. like it's just like yeah i'm watching a cartoon (laughs) like it is
0: funny though because like the 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 incredibles characters look the way they do because they were pushing it right it's like what they were able to do it's like the the sort of best humans they could make. And obviously they made them stylized to make them look even better, right? They weren't trying to get into that weird uncanny valley thing. But like, there's still, I'm just like amazed at how they managed to retain even some of the weirdness Mm -hmm. of the stylization. Like, I still think the characters like eyes, the way their eyes are and move and stuff. Like it's good in Incredibles 2, but it's not like they did some of the stuff they did with like Toy Story 4, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But like they- Explicitly, like updated certain things in Toy Story Four because they were like, "Well, at this point, let's just make them look better," you know. And Incredibles, (laughs) they kind of like avoided that. Whereas, like, I don't know, some people are still gonna look kind of creepy and unnatural because, like, that's what they look like,
1: (laughs) right? You know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: And there are, it especially stands out when you look at like the crowds or anything like that because they, you know, no one's focusing on the crowds, but like crowds or secondary characters, sometimes you you look at them a little too long and you're like, oh, you're a little unsettling, aren't you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't
0: shy away from it and I appreciate it. Yeah, me too. Love uh, love that Underminer got a little bit more to do in this one. Underminer, I, yeah. I, I meant to go back and look at his design to see if they had changed anything with him or how much we even saw of him at the end of the last one because I don't remember. I really want to know if we knew that he had, like, jackhammer claw hands.
1: I don't remember. Yeah, like, I don't remember at did all. Did we
0: even see his hands, or is that a thing they got to, like, add after the fact yeah, to be like, wouldn't yeah. it be cool?
1: Because it's such a brief clip that you see him at the end. Yeah, yeah. I really don't remember at all. But John Ratzenberger clearly having tons of fun in that. He yeah. Like, this with, for the little time, he's, like, screaming mm-hmm. all over the I love it. It's so fun. I'm
0: glad. Because, like, um, I mean, obviously, John Ratzenberger is not, you know. no no drought of John Ratzenberger roles in the Pixar universe. But a lot of times it is really just like, you know, a little cameo or, you know, we just, it's like, where's John Ratzenberger going to be in this one? Like, it's nice. He gets to just have a whole fuck ton of fun.
1: Yeah. I like it a lot. I like it.
0: Trying to think of what else is, uh, I like that they have the Incredibile. That's really funny to me just because it feels so, so essential for the types of superheroes that they're based on. And it's a stark contrast to like the new, New, cool, two-part motorcycle that Elastigirl gets. hmm Yeah. What do you think of her new suit? Her, like, I'm not dark. I'm, like, I'm Elastigirl. <laughs> her, like, gray and black stealth suit.
1: I like that it was glittery.
0: <laughs> Me too. It's I know funny She was complaining it was dark and I was like, yeah, it's was even like, sparklier. No, it's
1: I kind of liked it. I mean, yeah, I really, I think that if they wanted to make a really like a dark, like, like, you know, drearier superhero suit, they could have really went for it if yeah. they wanted to. That, I don't think that suit really uh, reflects it. It's just it, yeah. it, it's silver. I love that. I, it felt like an upgrade, honestly. Yeah.
0: It's just not white and red. It's silver and black. Yeah. <laughs> so that's darker, I guess. I mean, like yeah. literally, I suppose,
1: no, I, I do like, like
0: I love the way that they depict her original Elastigirl like uh, what's it called domino mask in this movie mm-hmm. it's like glittery yeah. which is cool that's not a thing they did in the first one I don't think or if they did it wasn't was it wouldn't have looked as cool so
1: yeah 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 no I like it I like I like I like that detail too. Uh, super super like little detail but mm-hmm. we've commented on it before that like sometimes Pixar is just unafraid of just like showing people drinking in, in their movies which is very oh rare. yeah like, it was, and, and and like Evelyn and uh and Helen at the party are just like I think just drinking Manhattans together like yeah. <laughs> it's
0: pretty- and, and, and it's not it's not hidden or anything no. it's like do you, do you want to drink and she says I'm not working so sure yeah. basically is like the, what the interaction is you know
1: yeah, it's fun. I just I like that. I think it's it's realistic.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are only adults
1: at the party, <laughs> and it fits the vibe of like if it's really yeah. meant to be like the '60s. Yeah, everybody's gonna be drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Putting out that bourbon, man.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's so funny. Like, as far as like any sort of edge that any Pixar movie has. It's funny because like this is like one of the edgiest because it's like not edgy at all, yeah. <laughs> uh, but like characters say "damn" and they, they explicitly oh, yeah. drink like Manhattan's
1: and like I didn't even think uh, about them saying "damn" and it actually yeah I didn't so even good. notice
0: I, it was only when I was looking looking at stuff afterwards that I ran into uh, hubbub over this movie saying "damn."
1: Oh, yeah, okay, sure. I'm sure children <laughs> watching it have never heard anyone say damn before. Um.
0: I mean, you can imagine the people making a hubbub over it, so well, yeah, we, we don't need to take
1: them seriously. Yeah, right, absolutely. But it is funny
0: <laughs> that, like, I mean, I guess this is the edgiest one. I guess Toy Story sometimes goes there.
1: Sometimes, uh, maybe.
0: I mean, Ratatouille did have that lady, thinking... like, shooting a gun at rats. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> And they were drinking wine in it, so there was some mm-hmm. alcohol. I think, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. It, it. Well, it I what I, what I will say is that like when when Pixar movies do that, especially like in this case, it doesn't feel like they're like trying to do that to be cool or anything. No, is the thing. It's That's just, why it's so weird to even say natural. edgy. <laughs> it's all yeah. like very
0: normal stuff.
1: Right. It's just doing because it's like natural for the world that they're in, and you know, like I don't know, like there's. Wilder shit in like Marvel movies that people still take their five year olds to yeah. go see because they're superhero movies. And like, they, sh- yeah, kids should be allowed to see superhero movies. And stuff in Marvel movies can be pretty wildly violent and stuff sometimes, you know? So I don't know. Like, it's fine. It's all fine. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally fine. It's totally fine.
0: It's just rare that Pixar, I think, yeah. uh, draws that sort of attention.
1: For sure. For sure. Um, Edna Mode in this movie. Uh, <laughs> my favorite, I think one of my favorite little jokes is like when she's talking about like having children. She's like, thankfully, I've never been afflicted by it. Yep. Like referring to having children. And I'm like, "Ooh, I feel that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love referring it to that, referring it, referring to it like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and I love I love every single implication therein, right? Either Edma, Edna Mode absolutely fucks and is just happy she's never never gotten pregnant, or she's completely disinterested, or yeah. she's just a queer woman and there is no, you know, Movie there's hat. no, <laughs> there's no risk of it, or what? Regardless of what it is, is I'm good, like, I like it. love it, love it. Yeah. Also, love Jack Jack like picking up her habits and stuff. Oh, so good, it's so um, good, yeah. Would not hate I, I don't I don't actually want this or anything. I don't need an Incredibles three or any spin-offs or anything, but wouldn't hate if uh if there were eventually like a Jack Jack grown up thing where he's very clearly influenced by uh Edna mode in some way, yeah. shape, or form.
1: Anti <laughs> Edna. I love that. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, you know, she's always fun. Obviously, she's like the breakout comic character. Yeah. So I, I yeah. yeah, always fun. And they use her appropriately. Like, she's not in the movie that much, really. No. Uh, she's a very small part, but it works when she's there. Yeah. Oh, oh, but, but the my 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 mind went because she designs their suits one of the other things that i liked it's a it's a silly little joke but when violet is like g- having a tantrum and is like i run out superheroes and tries to destroy her super suit her super suit is like indestructible because that's how yep. end mode made them so she literally can't destroy I it love that. i thought it was so clever i love that yeah. yeah
0: you chose the wrong thing to try to have a tantrum about or with right. rather right right <laughs> <laughs> so good so good I also just love the the absolute like uh, uh, attitude that Edna has about any of the incredible family having a suit made by anybody else, even yeah. though it wasn't even their choice. She's still like, "How dare you!"
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> fun. It's fun. What was the like? What would you say is like the uh, technological innovation in this one? It's weird
0: because so so people actually in in some of the interviews I watched with Brad Bird, they asked this explicitly, and he said honestly. It's, it's getting hard to talk about them because it used to be so clear. It used to be, we didn't know how to make hair like this. And now we do, and we didn't know how to make clothes like this. And now we do. Now it has a lot more to do with the things you don't notice, but it's a lot of things we've, you and I have already talked about, like how they light things or software that they've built to accomplish certain physics. Um, And I think you and I are probably reaching the point in not just Pixar's history, even though they tend to develop a lot of these technologies, like just in, computer generated animation and 3d computer generated animation where you can kind of do whatever you want now like you'll always need to you know beef up the mm-hmm. software or beef up the rendering uh, capabilities or beef up what you can accomplish just technologically like li- like uh, literally the technology you're using as opposed to like what you can see on screen but i don't mm-hmm. know that there's one thing that that you would point to with this movie it, it, it from what i gathered it's more just like, we can kind of do whatever we want now. <laughs> sure. So he talked a lot more about the challenge of writing a story, a superhero story, when he mm. was writing a superhero story. So hmm. he didn't okay. he didn't talk a whole lot about the technological advancements.
1: Okay. I mean, that makes sense.
0: As you and I move forward, I think that's going to be a lot more apparent because after yeah. Toy Story 4, we're getting into movies that are more artistic challenges than they are technology ones. And we're going to reach a point where like, you know, if, 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 if Pixar has eras after the sequel era is probably the like stylized era. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah. I I think we've kind of gotten to the point where it's like, I know they're constantly advancing technology, but it's like the math stuff at this point. Yeah. I don't know that there's something that they can't make. I mean, when we watched a good dinosaur, I mean like that movie looks Re- aside from like the character designs and stuff, like that movie just straight up looks real. It yeah. just looks like they took a camera and went out to Montana and filmed. Right. So,
1: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, I will say visually though, I was very impressed with the whole fight sequence that's in the screen slaver like cage and then through the apartment. (laughs) I'm sure it wasn't fun to watch in theaters for anyone afflicted by bright lights. Cause that's that. I'm sure that was a nightmare to watch. I, I, you
0: know, I'm, I'm honestly very appreciative that they were willing to re-edit and tone that stuff down because that is a scene that I had a hard time watching. And now I can just watch it and appreciate it for what you're talking about, which is, it's a very cool scene.
1: It's very incredibly choreographed. And I I love, we've talked about this on like a, Both podcasts, I feel like before, like I love those like close quarters, claustrophobic fight sequences where superheroes like Elastigirl, who can stretch all over the place, like she's great in an open environment, but like. Mm is going to have a harder time in a, in a smaller space. So of course put her in a smaller space to fight somebody like, and it it works wonders because it's such a chaotic scene and, and the entire sequence, like going through, like running through the hallways while other people are around and every just like casual, just like casually slowly, like half asleep walking because of the fire alarm. Oh my gosh. So well choreographed.
0: I love that. I love, yeah, I love that people are just sort of confusedly walking out as opposed to what you would get in so many other stories, which is them like panicking and running out, you know? right it's so good screenslaver is actually i think kind of genuinely creepy
1: yeah oh Um, i agree and
0: a big part of that is because you're not supposed to know anything about him Mm because he's not really anybody it's sort of a a character that you sort of can it it can be anybody and you kind of get the idea that evelyn's been using anybody maybe she's only ever been using the pizza guy but like she could use anybody
1: yeah which is Um, a very scary idea
0: yeah, yeah, it's creepy. It's creepy. Design
1: design wise, and some of his idiosyncrasies, it's so funny. Uh, if you watch the Batman, I, there's a lot of of that. Their version of the Riddler in wow. Screenwriter, or I guess vice versa. Batman
0: like, ripping off Incredibles too. <laughs> 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 no, I. It, but it it makes sense though because it's it's using sort of classic creepy elements, right? Sure. Like you're exaggerating certain features, you're eliminating other features. Um, And you're, you're sort of capitalizing on certain behaviors that
1: it's like a serial killer kind of vibe that you get, you know, you're, you're sort of like stylized David Fincher serial killer kind of movie. Yeah.
0: I'm looking for what the actual, so let's see. Okay, so this is from Pixar's website where they talk about designing Screenslaver's Lair. And this stood out to me. I thought you would appreciate it. Um, It says, the mysterious Screenslaver's Lair evoked famed director Alfred Hitchcock's notion of an environment as a mousetrap. Um, And I just thought that was
1: really cool. Oh, I love that.
0: That's yeah. really cool because it is a yeah. it, it's a it's an environment that looks unlike anything else in any of the Incredibles movies. You know, yeah, it's a sort of like dingy, cluttered, creepy, sort of like huh. full of junk type of environment. And oh, that's such a good point. It is full of just danger for somebody who's unfamiliar with the space.
1: Yeah, well, and that's actually, that's that is a good point. It does make it stand out because so much of of the um I almost said the Avengers, so much of the <laughs> incredible's incredible's world that they're in in both movies is like your retro-futuristic, very clean. clean and very like art deco style. Yeah. Uh, and and so when you're in a space that feels very modern. First of all, it feels like any, you know, any dingy apartment in a, in, in a, in a crime ridden city is going to have yeah. your, like layer <laughs> like that, you know? Yeah. And, and that's not what, it, what Incredibles feels like any other time. So, right. Yeah. That, and that, that it was has that movie.
0: vibe of like, I've walked into the living space of somebody who is, is unhinged, you know, like I yeah. love the shot of her looking at like just the different eye studies, Like, the little, like, deconstructed eye models and stuff. Like, that's unsettling.
1: And here's my question. This Uh is, like... this is this is one of this is like uh, a plot hole question, but not really uh, just uh, so like who set up the layer. Really? Did Evelyn just try to set up to be as cre- creepy as possible? Was someone re- was she really working in this environment? Was someone working in this environment? Was this all the pizza guy stuff unrelated to Screenslaver? Like well, what what was happening in this entire setting? Or was it really all just for the show of it since it was going to be like broadcast to people?
0: I guess <laughs> it's it's probably for the show of it. But I think Evelyn Evelyn has an incredible amount of control over anybody she's hypnotized. Mm-hmm. So it's entirely possible that like she ne- she's never been to this apartment.
1: Maybe she like mind controlled him to yeah. make the apartment look like this just yeah. so it would be creepy, just for the show of it, just to make it more real for the footage. Yeah, I think that checks out.
0: Yeah. And and and, and I think like they the reason Elastigirl is even there, right, is because or no, this is she traces she traces the signal there, doesn't she? With
1: Evelyn's help, though, Evelyn makes the device to trace it, so she was in on it the whole time. So she, so she, she knew, knew where to send, yeah, yeah, she knew that Elastigirl was going to be tracing something. So she, yeah, for all we know, she could have set that up after like agreeing to do that for elastigirl and was like i've got i've got a couple extra hours we'll get this all set up like well the whole (laughs) i mean
0: the the whole plot of the movie is essentially evelyn's plan right she's just using her brother Mm -hmm. (laughs) like she's using what her brother's trying to accomplish so conceivably like her plan existed before the movie ever started this is something that she was working on during the first movie and probably before the first movie you know
1: sure for sure
0: it's convenient that uh that the events of the first movie and her brother's interests kind of play in together
1: yeah yeah whoa
0: Incredibles 3 revealing that the villains of the f- first two movies actually were connected
1: and they could <laughs> they they could very easily do that they very good, i don't know yeah. that
0: syndrome's working with anybody but given that evelyn is more of a manipulator i you, you could there's there's a world
1: mm-hmm. yeah they could have they could cross paths yeah before I got sucked into a jet engine.
0: Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have one of those moments in this one, do we?
1: No, there's there's really not Is there any death in this movie? At all? Um,
0: I don't think so because no, cuz even Evelyn is apprehended.
1: Yeah, no, it doesn't have. There doesn't have to be, but I think that was just something that was so noticeable in the first one. Oh, yeah. It's just like there's a whole montage of people dying. To- yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, honestly, it's, the, it's
0: it's the thing people bring up when anybody complains about this movie having the word "damn" in it, it is like you you realize the first Incredibles movie killed a bunch of people on screen, right? Just <laughs>
1: slaughtered, slaughtered, the, slaughtered so many good guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's just kind of interesting. Yeah. Um. The entire set piece for the the like the final act taking place on this like hover ship or whatever, like, <laughs>
0: oh my God, what is it called a um, I
1: don't know. I don't remember <laughs> it's just it's
0: just a boat on skis, essentially,
1: yeah, it's so wild, <laughs> okay.
0: is it weird that the thing it's not because this is a common fear of, of people, but it's not a fear of mine typically. but like the fact the whole sequence of of Bob Parr being underwater and reliant on his 10-year-old son to pull him up at the correct wow. moment Ugh. that is and, that was and, genuinely like unsettling to me well, i was like this is, is, is a massive uh, you got a lot of faith in in your friend, your daughter, and your 10-year-old son to be communicating together really well right now. <laughs> right. And the fact that
1: there are so many points when Dash is just like, he's been on there too long. And Violet's like, no, he hasn't. Like, wait. It's like, I know. Uh, Violet's, what? <laughs> uh,
0: Violet's trust in Lucian makes it all the more upsetting, right? Because ultimately, it's Lucian's decision when to pull him up. But there's like this chain of communication. And so the fact that she's willing to be like, no, we're waiting. We are waiting until he says so. (laughs) is so freaking scary and would be terrifying for a 10 year old are you kidding me he's probably afraid he's going to kill his dad
1: yeah of course
0: or that Uh, his dad's already dead
1: yeah yeah wild stuff but a great uh, it's a very cool place for your big action sequence because you get you get to have your close quarters stuff when they're in the ship going through it but also they're in the middle of the ocean so they can wreak as much havoc as they want without worrying about causing collateral damage in a city until you need to have the threat of the ship colliding with the city to stop it like it's all great it's it's fun stuff and they're still and they're like isolated too so yeah it's it's a great idea if
0: anything is a statement on like superhero movies circa 2018 it's like like this movie doesn't do like a cataclysmic event. They're yeah. not destroying their city, yeah. or like they're <laughs> the almost most damage is one takes place at it. the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I like it. I mean, and it all it all looks beautiful. Water looks so good in these movies now. So why not? Have oh my it god, all take place at sea. So. You know what? I, yeah, you
0: know what I noticed. I don't know why I noticed at this time. There's in the bottom like right corner of the shot, like when the boat actually stops uh, like it's finally stopped or whatever in the bottom, right. You see like water and snow and ice or whatever, just like floating in like disturbed water. Uh And it just looks so good. It just looks so good. And it's funny because everything else is so stylized. Right. But like, I just looked at that and
1: I was like, that's just real. That's just real. You guys, it just, all the environmental stuff is, is so it's, it it is, it is bananas. How how good it looks now. can't even comprehend it
0: yeah it's it's incredible what they can do
1: it really is incredible
0: (sighs) oh i know right there should have been a counter if this were a video there would be a counter in the bottom of the screen (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) well are we
1: missing anything what's your favorite jack jack superpower that we see oh that's i was gonna
0: ask you the same question i can't believe i forgot i think I don't know that it's like my favorite superpower, but it's maybe my favorite one that Jack-Jack uses because I think it's always funny. I think his multiplication power is so funny. Anytime really they funny. have him use it, it's usually in a really funny way. I love when he's like in the in the containment chamber and he uses it and it's just like 12 Jack-Jacks all dancing to like Mozart. Like yeah. that cracks me up. I don't know why it's so funny seeing so many so many it's of him
1: cuz it just it just pops it's just like a bunch it of really pop ups it really does so, yeah yeah it's, it's a cool fun. effect it's a cool effect. I, I love the dimensional warping. Like, just, like, oh disappearing into the fourth dimension. <laughs> just and creepily
0: laughing at you?
1: <laughs> yeah, just, like, the whole, like, poltergeist kind of homage uh, that they're dealing with it. So like, good. And, and, and But I love, when like, because the first time you see it, I think is when, like, Lucius is freaking out, and Bob's just like, yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll just call him out with a cookie. Yeah. And it's just like, you're not freaking out because your baby's, like, in some other, like, parallel universe, just, like, laughing into the ether. Like, what's happening? No, what? My
0: favorite <laughs> thing is Lucius being, like, and he can hear you from the other, and they're like, "Yeah, the other dimension." Like it's just, it's like, it's so funny. Samuel Jackson, not you know, doesn't get a ton of screen time in either of these movies, but always, always, yeah. always, so much fun.
1: He's very funny. Yeah, I mean, and he always just kind of comes in and just like, yeah. "Y'all are being stupid, right?" Yeah, what is happening right now is ridiculous. Yeah, Lucius
0: <laughs> slash Frozone is yeah. so good. Such a great, such a great sort of secondary character in a movie with so many characters.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's good.
0: And probably one of the most iconic, uh, Pixar moments in all of history with the, where's my super suit. Oh, yep. So,
1: yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You get another iconic voice... quotable type thing. Yeah. You get another voice cameo from uh, honey in this. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> you had to call back to that, of course. Of
0: course, yeah. How could you
1: not? <laughs> I don't. I don't really have anything else. I actually went through my whole list. It's. It's the movie. It's. It's an Incredibles movie. Yep. Uh It's got a lot of fun stuff in it. It's yep. It's a fun one to watch. I'd happily watch it again. It is very much like um like any I mean like any good action movie. Like you watch it to be entertained by the visuals. Like, to rock out perhaps to rock out and i think it's a great movie to do that with it's super <laughs> it's still, fun it's still such
0: a weird phrase for him to use but sure <laughs> we, we rocked out brad yeah yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> uh, yeah 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 i think that's all i got got as well so good yeah. good movie i like it would recommend yeah same uh and maybe who knows maybe maybe we'll get another one in 14 years <laughs> sure i doubt it <laughs> well you don't have to wait 14 years for more of us we are putting out stuff all the time podcast constantly and uh the best place to start looking for the things that we're doing is on our patreon that's where you're going to get the most of it uh, at patreon.com slash walloping web snappers and if you like what we're doing you can check out our discord and talk all about uh pixar stuff in the pixar channel uh, there should be a link in the show notes Uh, If you'd like stuff from us individually, you can find us all over the internet. Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you're working on?
1: Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my other podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, experimental, and structure-breaking gimmicky episodes of television with a new show and new guest every week. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, or you can follow it on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. What about you, Doug?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Ickybully, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also listen to me on a Pokemon podcast called Victory Road, where I talk about Pokemon with my friends just as I feel like it. And if you like books, video games, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I get together to catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately. If you would like very frequent podcast drops from Derek and me together, uh, you can check out our weekly podcast, Walloping Web Snappers, which is a deep dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made, and you can get that wherever you get your podcasts. Visit our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com, the home of Walloping Web Snappers and Falling with Style, for a full archive of everything Derek and I are working on together you can follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod or email us specifically about pixar stuff at pixar podcast at gmail.com please as always rate review and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing here at falling with style somebody else will too and those ratings and reviews make us show up in search results uh more frequently higher up on the list if you search for pixar things it'll be easier to find us with those ratings and reviews so any of those are appreciated next month uh like I said, we are rapidly approaching, but not quite there, to the point where the podcast exists, uh, which is weird to think about, but we gotta get through two movies first, the first of which is Toy Story Four.
1: Oh, I was I couldn't remember what was next, so I'm <laughs> excited. <laughs> yes,
0: so uh we'll see you then.
1: See ya.